So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. As double bills go on a show such as this, it's hard to imagine a more relevant combo than the director and composer of La La Land. The film that's literally causing quite the song and dance the world over. In our previous episode, we had the pleasure of talking to director Damien Chazelle about his musical masterpiece, this time around, it's all about his composer and very dear friend, Justin Horwitz. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, a weekly podcast in which we celebrate screen music. Now, if you're new to it, the format is pretty simple. I speak to key figures from the world of cinema about the music in their work with relevant examples of the cues we discuss woven into the discussion. We'll shortly be hearing extracts from Justin's compositions for Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, Whiplash and La La Land, all of which he scored for Damien. The pair met in their freshman year at Harvard, forming a band called Chester French, who went on to have considerable success after they went their own way to make movies. But Chester French's loss has been our gain, with Whiplash and La La Land in particular earning near universal acclaim to mention awards and nominations aplenty. Justin, welcome to Soundtracking. I've got to start by saying congratulations on the reception to your wonderful film La La Land. You must feel... Well, how do you feel about the reception it's had so far? (laughs) I feel great. Um, We've been working on this movie for so long, and the past few months, you know, finally being able to show it to people and getting the kind of responses we have has been so gratifying and, and amazing. How long has this film been a discussion with you and Damien? Because I heard way back to 2006 it's been something you wanted to do. We first started talking about this movie in 2010, but 2006 I think is when we started making Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, which was a song and dance musical, which is definitely a stepping stone on the way to this. Park. 
so yeah 2006 when we started making Guy and Madeline yeah we started talking about musicals movies how to put music in a movie how to make a song and dance musical and I think Guy and Madeline it's a very different movie but I think it has some similarities not only is it about young artists but it has kind of this tonal dichotomy between grounded realistic scenes and drama and then these musical numbers It's very different. Damien shot it in kind of this verite documentary aesthetic, which is so obviously very different than this, but the way that he was marrying the realistic with the fanciful, whimsical musical uh, numbers is a similar idea, and I think, yeah, we were figuring out how to make yeah. that kind of movie. With you guys, in terms of when you started properly working on this film, I read the music was being composed as Damien was writing the screenplay, which I guess is kind of how it had to happen for these two worlds to combine so beautifully and seamlessly. Yeah, as soon as he started writing the treatment uh, and then the script, I was writing the music. The very first thing he wanted me to tackle was the main theme of the movie, this instrumental theme we call Mia and Sebastian's theme, because it's so integral to the story and emotionally important, and he wanted to know what that would be and what that would feel like, and then from there we started expanding into the other themes of the movie and the other melodies that would become score and song. discussions that you had with Damien about that theme? I was reading the scenes that Damien was writing in the treatment and also I think we were just talking about a theme, a melody that was about somebody who was searching for love, who was searching for something in his life and likewise with Mia. They're both at similar places. They both have these big dreams and they both want to be in love but neither of them have that yet. So there's this melody that represents their love story and I think it was that idea that I was going off of when I was sitting at the piano trying to find it. started all this at a piano? Yeah, everything starts at the piano. I spend so much time at the piano early on, you know, before the movie's being shot. 
Obviously, for a musical, you need to figure out a lot before the movie shot, but I think any movie Damien and I do, we, we're going to want to know what the main theme or themes are before the movie's made because it's good to have that in mind, and also just I need the time. Melody's really important to us, and it can take a very long time to find melodies, like the right melodies. So for this movie, for example, I did 1,900 piano demos. Just 1,900. 1,900. Just, just finding early on. This is before I was, you know, arranging any vocals or orchestrating. This is just at the beginning, trying to find the melodies because, wow. you know, there were a lot of melodies in this movie more than most movies probably would have, but. To find each piece of material, I would go down many, many roads. I would come up with a lot of very bad ideas, some good melodies, but not quite good enough. And then there would always be one somewhere in the process, deep into the process usually, where I would finally come up with something and Damien would say, oh my God, that's the one. That was the case for the main theme, me and Sebastian's theme. That was the case for other melodies that became City of Stars, Stars Audition, yeah. all of that. It was just me sitting at the piano for, in the case of some melodies, weeks on end, uh, demo after demo, until finally I had it. sort of frame of mind when you're thinking about score as to when you're thinking about song? Not really. I approached it the same way. At the beginning, we were just looking for melodies that would become material in the movie. We didn't know necessarily whether some were going to be song or score. We had an ideas where some could go. And there's also a lot of crossover, like, you know, some of the song melodies come back in fantasy sequence at the end. You know, I turn them into score.
so we just approached it as themes. Let's find themes for the movie. Yeah. And then once we had melodies that we loved, then Damien and I started talking about now how do we structure some of these as songs. So verse, what's the verse? What's the chorus? Should there be a bridge? Should there not be a bridge? We talked about how do we turn this theme into a song. And then once we felt like it now felt like a song musically, at, still at the piano demo stage, then I would hand them off to our amazing lyricists, Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, who would write all of the words and really bring them to life songs. And then in Damien's mind, he's thinking visually as well. It's all these wonderful pieces of a puzzle that us as an audience completely just sit back and enjoy where you guys have yeah. done all the hard work putting it together. Damien has the whole movie in his head a year before, two years before, in this movie, probably six years before the movie <laughs> was shot. the demo stage, um, piano demo, and then later with some vocal demos, like him walking through the song and describing exactly where the camera is for every shot. I have piano demos where he's talking over the piano and just describing, okay, now the camera follows Mia out of the bathroom, camera's behind her, now the camera turns around and is in front of her, now the camera goes into the pool, now the camera comes out of the pool, you know, every every shot was in his head and the puzzle, like you say, there are so many pieces and obviously so many amazing collaborators, you know, Mandy Moore who added the choreography, yeah. Linus Sandgren who added the cinematography, everybody brings their craft and their art to it and makes it so much better, but Damien had such a complete vision from the very beginning. like that on, on all the films that you've made together? Yeah, he, I mean, I remember Whiplash, he was storyboarding every shot. He had 
thousand pages of <laughs> paper with these little frames that he was drawing with pencil and yeah just he, I mean he knew where the camera was going to be for every beat of the music with whiplash storyboard okay on this beat the, the camera is in front of the first trumpet now it it uh, tracks over to the fourth trumpet and then on this beat we punch in on the saxes and we push in on the sax or whatever the shots were take all of his storyboards and he'd cut them to the music, to the demos in the case of Whiplash, so he would put them in, I think he was using Final Cut Pro or something on yeah. his laptop, and he would just like take his pencil drawings and cut them oh, to wow. the music. Almost like animation. Yeah, like, a, like an animatic, I guess you'd call it. And then, of course, cinematographer adds their ideas, and then in editing, Tom cuts it differently, you know, when it's appropriate and brings all sorts of great ideas to it. But Damien does have such a complete vision up to, in the case of Whiplash and in the case of lots of parts of this movie, where the camera is for every beat of the music. That's incredible. Yeah. What a wonderful mind he has. Yeah. We met first week of freshman year of college. Uh, we started a band together with a few of our classmates. <laughs> what were you called? Chester French. Great. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we took it really seriously. We took it way too seriously for a year. Everyone does. We tried to be rock stars. sophomore year to start making movies together and he had been wanting to make movies forever and I I started getting interested in film scoring when I went to college as well so we kind of 
bonded over movies and started making movies together. But meanwhile, our bandmates, the other three guys, continued with the band. And senior year of college, they they sparked a bidding war between all the major labels. So senior year, they, they were getting all these record contracts thrown at them. And, and we were busy making this little student film, Guy and Madeline on the yeah. park bench. I mean, when you're in college, you have no idea if and when anything you're doing is ever going to pan out. But our former bandmates were getting flown every weekend to Atlanta to meet with Kanye West and LA to meet with Pharrell and getting the biggest moguls throwing the biggest deals at them and we're like we blew it that was our that, <laughs> that was, was our, our chance. chance Welcome to Chester Flinch and Clinton Sparks Jacques Jams Volume 1 Endurance It's familiar Chapter 1 Starting a band. Tighten up, dude. Dude, clench up, man. Just push. Dude, you got it. Just force it. Force it. Dude, you are swollen right now, man. You are bulging. Bromo. That was awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, I know. But why... Why are we doing all this? We're still really close with our bandmates and they're doing really cool things, but it was a very interesting moment in our lives to kind of watch our former band blow up and be like, <laughs> did we blow it? Was that our chance? And uh, now we do cool stuff, they do cool stuff, yeah. and we're happy for each other, but it was a weird, weird <laughs> yeah, moment. But, yeah. Sunglasses on, that's the only thing the four of us got on, plus a bone. Through the endless of the cities I have gone, guess that's why I got a picture of the titties in my phone. But let me talk about politics and who we think it would be hard to kiss. Which auto bought your mood and transformed you to the obvious. You say that sexting is liberating, refreshing. Then ask to take a picture of my Darth Vader helmet. It's a next big thing. started working on Whiplash. Was that a similar process in terms of you working alongside Damien on the script of it? Because it's very specific. I didn't work on Whiplash nearly as long or as hard as I worked on La La Land. <laughs> I don't think I could have worked longer or harder than I worked on La La Land. There were some similarities in the in the sense that there was pre-recorded music for Whiplash. Some of the music had to be figured out beforehand. You know, any jazz that was on screen, yeah. mainly. So, in the case of Whiplash, some of the really important pieces were pre-existing, like uh, Whiplash itself is a Hank Levy uh, tune, and Caravan is a is a Duke Ellington tune that had this amazing arrangement. Uh, I think it was a '70s arrangement, uh, the one that's in the movie.
so yeah, there were a couple of you know major pre-existing tunes, and then there was some new jazz that had to be figured out. So I composed a few yeah. new jazz charts for the movie. some pre-production. I think the whole time frame was a lot more condensed on it. Like, I think I only worked on it for a few weeks leading up to the pre-record sessions. And then the movie got shot, and then we only had like six weeks to get it ready for Sundance in only a few weeks, and the score, I had to get it done really quickly. So the whole process was a lot shorter. Yeah. you know a few years of intense development and pre-production and then being on set for all of it and then scoring it for eight months when you see all those pieces put together you know you start work on your piano thinking about themes and melodies and then you see it grow arms and legs and become this wonderful thing and you can watch it be executed so perfectly with the cast it must be a wonderful sense of achievement yeah it's really fun to, to work on something for so long and then see every step of the way it comes to life in a new way them sing sing their lyric over the song it was the song would come alive and it would be exciting and it would be a, a huge step forward I remember the first time I saw any of the choreography, it was for Another Day of Sun, just in the parking lot behind the pre-production offices. Yeah. Uh, they had put a bunch of cars just parked in a line, basically, and Mandy and her fellow choreographers, Mike and, and Jillian, were kind of running this whole rehearsal with all their dancers, and um, it, it didn't look like the number, nobody was in costumes, there was no median or anything, it was just a bunch of cars in the parking lot, but they were they were dancing, it was being physicalized for the first time, and to see the song be become a physical thing for the first time. I remember I literally got goosebumps. Been working on it for so long at the piano and then working on the vocals and then 
you know, orchestrating and making these MIDI mock-ups where you basically plug the orchestration into computers to make yeah. it try to sound as real as possible. So it had been advancing, but still, when you see people actually dancing to it, yeah. that was almost like a revelation. And yeah, I got, I got goosebumps. There were some instances where they were recorded live as well. Am I right in thinking that Emma's piece Audition was done live? Yeah, Emma's song Audition, The Fools Who Dream, entirely live, on set, in front of the camera. I was playing piano in the other room, an electric keyboard, into her ear just to accompany her. And she was leading the song, and that was the idea behind that was why we did it that way and why she wanted to do it that way, so she could lead it and act it. There was emotion. There was emotion, and if we had recorded it a few months earlier in a music studio and then she had had to lip sync to it, it wouldn't have been as real and raw and vulnerable and I mean she's an actress so like I don't know what actors do exactly but (laughs) she found the emotional she found that place the emotional place (laughs) the emotional truth like in the moment and she performed it in a way that it had never been performed before you know we had been rehearsing it in the studio just to get the notes down and to sort of practice it on a technical level but the way she did it on the day it, it had not been performed that way it had not been paced quite that way to not been performed that emotionally so to see that come to life in that way Mm. every take I mean we were just kind of breathless afterwards because it was a new experience for all of us my aunt used to live in Paris I remember she used to come home and she would tell us these stories about being abroad and I remember she told us that she jumped into the river once barefoot smiled, left without looking, and tumbled into the sand. The water was freezing, she spent a month sneezing. But said she would do it again Here's to the ones who dream Foolish as they may seem Here's to the hearts that And then City of Stars, the duet version, where Ryan and Emma are at the piano, that was also live on set. Wow. City of stars, are you shining just for me? City of stars, there's so much that I can't see. Who knows? I felt it from the first embrace I shared with you That now our dreams may finally come true City of stars Just one thing everybody wants There in the bars And 
through the smokescreen of the crowded restaurants It's love Yes, all we're looking for is love from someone else See your star How did that start, that piece? What's the seed of that piece of music? And the seed of that music, well, it started again, like everything with me at the piano, just searching for a melody. What I was thinking about was a melody that could be optimistic, but also melancholy at the same time. It first happens in the movie at a moment when Ryan's character Sebastian is just asked Mia out on a date, and then they say goodbye, and he takes a stroll on a pier, and he's happy, obviously, because she said yes, but he's also cautious because he's had so many heartbreaks. So the song is, this could be something great, but it may not be because so many of my dreams have not worked out in the past. It has to be sweet and sad at the same time, and I was trying not to be too intellectual with it, but it yeah. just so happened that it falls into minor, and then it falls into major, and then back into minor, and it goes back and forth. I don't think I was thinking about it from like a musical theory standpoint when I was composing it, but yeah. it had happened that way because life is a, a series of happy moments and sad moments and mixed emotions. And I think the song and melody tonally strike that balance. The pendulum. Exactly. When you were writing, did you know who you were writing for? Because you knew the characters, obviously, but by this point, did you know who was going to be playing those roles? No. So, yeah, I was really composing for the story and the characters, and, and that carried through, and obviously that did change and that did develop, and Ryan and Emma, when they came aboard, they had ideas about their characters and the story, and they even had ideas that affected the songs, not with music quite as much as lyrics. They had some really important input in the lyric of A Lovely Night, for example. I think with music, you know, I did tailor some things to them. It was more having to do with the keys to make sure that things would sing well for them. Yeah. It's too high for me. <laughs> exactly. And it's really tough with duets because, yeah, you have to find a key that works for both of them. And with City of the Stars, the duet version, for example, you know, you have a key that, that sounds good in Ryan's voice, but then it gets too high for Emma. And then, so we, we found a key that, you know, kept Emma in her range. And Ryan was the very beginning of the melody is pretty much as low as you would want to start yeah. with him. But it, it, it all, you know, once they get into the heart of it, they're kind of in the, the heart of their voices. And that's the most important thing. And then with A Lovely Night, I remember I had to put this two-bar key change in the middle of it in between Ryan's verse and Emma's verse so that he could sing it in his ideal key and she could sing it in her ideal key. So you do little things like that. Um, but most of the, well, really all of the songs on a musical level were figured out before they came aboard. Some other girl guy 
would love this swirling sky, but there's only you and I, and we've got no shot. This could never be. You're not the type for me, and there's not a spark inside. What a a waste of a lovely night. Something clear. I think I'll be the one to make that call. But you'll call. And though you look so cute in your polyester suit, it's wool. You're right. I'd never fall for you at all. And maybe this appeals to someone not in heels, or to any girl who feels there's some chance the romance. But I'm frankly feeling nothing. Is that so? Or it could be. My mum was in musical theatre when I grew up. Oliver is one of the first things I remember seeing. West Side Story is a musical that sticks with me. And that's the most recent one that I can think in terms of it being contemporary and real and honest about not just emotions, but situations and characters and stuff. Your musical is about to enter that world of it becoming a part of film history and musical history where for years and generations now, people are going to cite La La Land as their favorite musical. That's an incredibly flattering idea. You've just named some of my favorite pieces of art, not just musicals, but pieces of art. So just the idea of being considered, you know, something that might stick around like that is wild. Talk about those musical moments for you and Damien that were important and were influential to you. Um, I know that Damien's mentioned Jacques Demi as, a, mm -hmm. as an influence and stuff, and obviously West Side Story for you. And when I spoke to Damien, actually, we talked a bit about West Side Story. But was that a discussion that you had, and did you watch old musicals and things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when I was actually composing, I was trying not to listen to anything yeah. because I didn't want to sound like anything. But going back to college, we've been listening to the same scores and musicals and watching the same movies and kind of obsessing over them and being inspired by them. So yeah, the Jacques Demi and Michel Legrand musicals like The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, The Young Girls of Rochefort, huge inspirations. Je suis un peu en retard Le notaire n'en finissait pas Et je suis passé à la station Maintenant tout est réglé Beaucoup de choses au contraire, tout ce que nous allons faire. Tu es heureux, très heureux, et c'est à toi que je le dois. Si Madeleine, tu le sais bien, et toi, est-ce que tu es heureuse? Side Story, my favorite thing ever created in the world.
some of the, the American musicals like Singing in the Rain, The Bandwagon, the Fred Astaire and Joe Rogers musicals, um, as well like Swing Time Top Hat. challenges was how are we going to be inspired by all of our favorite movies but do something that doesn't feel like them. These are things that we've been listening to, watching, internalizing for years and definitely drawing inspiration from but once it got down to actually making this, composing this on my end, what's my compositional language, orchestrational language, what's honest to this story and these characters. make something that sounds like La La Land. I would say there's one song, A Lovely Night, that is maybe, of all the songs, that's the most kind of inspired by an old school musical number. There's, It's a little bit of a wink to like a, a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers song in some ways, but for the, for the rest of the, the songs and certainly the score, I was just trying to make something that would kind of feel like its own thing, and I hope I did that. It's seamless. You know, you get those musicals where you go, and now I'm going to sing what I'm thinking. <laughs> Even that song you mentioned where there's the whole tap dancing, you're kind of halfway through and you go, oh, oh, they're tap dancing. Yeah. It just feels so natural and yeah. real to the story and yeah. the journey that characters are on. Yeah. Well, Damien wanted to make a movie where it could be grounded in so many places where it wasn't a musical number and then turn into a musical number. And the way that he gets back and forth between those two worlds, and that's a testament to, to Ryan and Emma, you know, just on a technical level, this has to do with mixing, you know, Andy Nelson, the amazing mixer who's done a lot of great musicals in the past and mixed this movie. The way that you can sort of seamlessly get in and out of these on every level from acting through mixing and just never feel like, okay, now we clicked a CD player and yeah, now we're into a musical number. <laughs> yeah. How good's Ryan's piano playing? Ryan's piano playing is miraculous. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Did he genuinely learn for the for the film? Yeah, he learned all of it. That's crazy. He, he was in piano lessons for six days. Uh, yeah, about six days a week, I think, for about four months, and hours a day. You know, practicing hours a day when he wasn't with his teacher. There are no handables in the movie, and there's no CG or any other tricks. So everything you see is Ryan, and Damien shot it in long takes too. So you really can't cheat it because yeah. you can't you know cut 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 between all the best pieces of all the best takes it all plays out in one in, in these long fluid takes so what you see him doing is what he did and yeah it's unbelievable 
This story's got such a wonderful future, I think. And I wish you best wishes for the awards season as well. You've already, you know, got a few already on that mantelpiece and the nominations are coming in thick and fast and it's so well deserved. Pleasure talking to you, sir. Thank you. This was really fun. Thanks for interviewing me. Thank you so much. Cheers. From the La La Land Complete Collection, that's Chicken on a Stick by Justin Hurwitz. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking. My huge thanks to Justin for taking the time to talk to us. La La Land is on general release pretty much everywhere around the world now, with its score available to purchase via Interscope Records. If you want to know what tracks we featured in the order they appear, then just head to edithbowman.com, where you can also hear my chat with Damien Chazelle, not to mention... John Favreau, Andrea Arnold, Nicholas Winding-Refn and Ron Howard to name but a few. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK and do subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you get a moment. Make sure you join us next week for another veritable feast of movies and music. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Soundtracking UK